Well, good morning and guten Morgen to you, Benedict. And dobroy vie utro if you're Russian, or dobry den if you're Czech. Um, Magadan Poltan if you're Filip Filipino. It's just a few of the countries I've gone to, and that's about all I know of those languages. <clears throat> so, um, but it, yeah, it's always a joy to be with you uh, today, and it's a joy to just to bring the Word of God to you. Um, you know, we live in a we live in a world where we just need a lot of wisdom, don't we? Especially today. You know, I mean, everything from how do I use the extra money that I have to how do I get extra money in order to ask you the question, how to use the extra money, to what house should I buy or move to, or what apartment should I move into or not, or, you know, how do I, how do I raise my children? We, we need wisdom, and we need the wisdom of God, don't we? We need God's wisdom. So, um, you know, it's just... Um, uh, I, I want to take us through a short passage of Scripture today that I think speaks to that. What is the wisdom of God? Who gets it? And how do they get it? What is the wisdom of God? Who gets it? And how do they get it? And so we're going to... I just want to read through a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, Chris, if you'll put it up there. Starting at verse 6. Yeah, we do speak of wisdom among those who are mature... A wisdom, however, wait a minute, let me go back and say why the yet is there. You know, every word is something we ought to just stop at and look at. Why is he saying yet? Because in chapter 1, in the first part of chapter 2, he's talked about a wisdom that perhaps the Corinthian church is seeking. They live in a Greek culture in which wisdom was exalted. In fact, wisdom was a goddess. And I think they were really smart making it a goddess instead of a god. Okay? Wisdom was Sophia. And so they just, they honored wisdom. Wisdom was the greatest thing. But Paul, in, in chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2, said, no, God's raised up a wisdom that's really foolishness to the world. The cross is foolishness to the world. Okay? And so, I'm not talking about that wisdom. And then he goes on and says, yet... We do speak a wisdom among those who are mature. Now that, that, now that part of the verse is the summary for the rest of what we're going to read. He's going to talk about wisdom. And he's going to talk about who are the mature that get it. Right? We do speak a wisdom among those who are mature. Wisdom, however, not of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we do speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they'd understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which the eye has not seen or ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men know the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Things which, thing, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. 
But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and they cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Introductory statement. He says there's, there's a wisdom. And it's for the mature. There is a wisdom. And it's for the mature. So verses 6-9 through nine talk about what this wisdom is. And then the rest of that passage talks about who the mature are. And how the mature get wisdom. What is this wisdom of God that's so needed? Well, he starts off by saying what it is not. What it is not is it's a wisdom of this age. There is a wisdom of every age in which we live. There's a wisdom in the age in which we live right now. There's all kinds of wisdom out there. There's all kinds of so-called sages that are giving us wisdom. Giving us political wisdom. Giving us economic wisdom. Okay? But there's the wisdom that's of this age. And it says it's a wisdom also of the rulers of this age. Now, it could be that he's talking about literal rulers. He may be talking about the Roman government. He may be talking about the Jewish leaders. But he also is probably talking about the way in which he uses that term, rulers, in the scriptures. And that is the demonic forces that are behind the, the culture and the age in which we live. He says there's a wisdom that comes from them too. And he said I'm not talking about that. It's not of this age. And it's not of the rulers of this world. He said but what it is. He says it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Mystics love mysteries. A mystery in the scripture is something, as he said, has been hidden. It's real. It's real. But it just hasn't been revealed yet. But he says, the wisdom of God is a mystery revealed. It's a mystery that's been revealed. It was hidden. It was predestined. Let me read that part again. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages. God, in addition to being a really bad dude. I don't think I've ever addressed him like that. Hey, bad dude. In addition to that. God is a God who has predestined things. He has set an order. He has set purposes. And they were in, in time, in time, eternity past. He set them down. And part of that comes because he has foreknowledge. That means God looks down through time and knows all things. He knew me before I was born. He knew me before I gave my life to Jesus in 1969. He knew that. He saw that. He stands outside of time and looks down the corridor of time and sees all things. And he says, this is the way it's going to happen. Does that negate our free choice? No. 
But he knows what we're going to choose before we choose it. He predestined that this hidden mystery would be revealed. Why? It says here, this is beautiful, to our glory. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. God has revealed His wisdom now for your glory. It's for your benefit. It's to move you from glory to glory, as another passage says. It's for you. It's for you. And he says, again, he contrasts, he says, this is a wisdom that has not been understood. They've not reasoned it out. They don't know it. They can't see it. If they would have seen it, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. He says, but then, what it is. He says, it is something that an eye has not seen and an ear has not heard. And it's not entered into the heart of man. What God's wisdom is all about is something that you can't see with your natural eyes. It's something that you can't hear or hear about with your natural ears. You can't even think it or imagine it. You can't even think it or imagine it. What God has, it says, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. That's the qualification. Just loving God. And this hidden mystery will be revealed. This wonderful wisdom that God has known forever, we get to step into. You do. Because look at verse 10. He says, for to us. And you say us. Say for to me. Yeah. For to me. God revealed them through the Spirit. There's the, there's the summary statement about how we get the wisdom of God. We get it by the Spirit. And who has the Spirit? We do. If you know Jesus, you got the Spirit. Romans 8 says, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't know Jesus. We have that Spirit. He has revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. And this is a beautiful word in both the Greek and the Hebrew language. Searching. It's tracking down. It's tracking something down. It's like you're in, the, you're in the forest and you're tracking it down. And when you find it, you examine it. And you examine it. And you bring it up again and again. And you, the ser Spirit searches all things. And then to make it even better, He says, even the depths of God. I've been contemplating that phrase for several weeks now. God, I want to know your depths. How deep is God? How deep is he? He's the bottomless pit. He, he, he's deeper, he is deeper than the Philippine deep. The Philippine deep is a rift on the ocean's floor just off the coast of the Philippines. And if you took Mount Everest and put it in there, there would still be a mile of water on top of it. He's deeper than that.
what, what, do you, what do you think he means by that? Well, I think he means a couple of different things. One is, uh, he uses that same phrase. Gosh, I need a little more room. Put this down there and take that. Yeah. I need another hand. That's what I need. Table two. Thank you. In Romans, in Romans 11, uh, Paul kind of reaches a pinnacle of his thought and he just explodes with this verse. In Romans 11.33, he says, Oh, the depths of the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. The depths of the, rig- of the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. One commentator says the depths of God are his essence, his attributes, his thoughts, his purposes, and his providences or his guidance and care. His essence, his character, his thoughts, his purposes, his plans, his providences. And he wants you to know that. He wants you to know that. He's prepared that for you. For to us, it has been revealed by the Spirit. He uses an analogy back here in in Corinthians. It says, he says, For who among men know the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? I can't judge you. I can't judge somebody. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know why you're thinking it. I can make assumptions by what I see in the natural. Maybe the Lord might give me a word of knowledge that gives me that much about what's going on inside of you. But I don't know the totality of what's going on inside of you. I can't make a judgment about that. I can't evaluate that. And so he's saying just like that's true. He says... Nobody knows what's going on in God except the Spirit of God. It's the only one. It's the only one. I don't know. You don't know. Even if you think you do, you don't know. Only the Spirit knows what's going on inside of God. But again, he contrasts that in verse 12. Now we have received... Can you say that? We have received. I have received. I have received. Not the spirit of the world. But the spirit who is from God. Why? So that we might know the things freely given to us by God. That's his purpose and intent for you. When you start trying to think what God's thinking. When you try to seek God's wisdom. One of the things that he wants to do. Is he wants to show you the things freely given to you. How easy it is for us to get into works salvation. How easy is it. I mean 
Right now, my wife has a physical condition that she's had for two years, and it hadn't changed. She'd been to five doctors. We've had a million different people praying for her, and it hadn't changed yet. And it hadn't changed yet. Okay? But, it's not okay. But, but in that instance, I need to hold on to the things that are freely given to us by God. I need to go back and remember who He is. I need, I need to stay in that place. To stay in that place and ask for God's wisdom. God, what do we do now? And it's very easy for me to start thinking in terms of works. I haven't prayed the right prayer. I haven't said the right word. We haven't been to the right doctor. We haven't done this. We haven't done that. And you know where we are right now? We're like the lady with the hemorrhage. In the scriptures. Remember the lady with the hemorrhage? She'd had the hemorrhage for how many days? It said in, in, one, in one of the gospels. She had suffered at the hands of many physicians. She had suffered at the hands of many physicians. Now Luke reports the incident. Because Luke's a physician. He doesn't put that phrase in there. He doesn't. I think it's in Mark or Matthew. <laughs> but it's not in Luke. <laughs> but she had gone through all of that. She'd had it a long time. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. That's what we're trying to do right now. We're just trying to touch the hem of his garment. Sorry to get off on that, but that's seeking wisdom. Seeking wisdom. But Paul takes another step here. Verse 13. Which things we also speak. You know it's not enough just to know the thoughts of God. It's not enough just to know it. You got to speak it. You got to speak it. Why? What would be the advantage in something that you know is God's wisdom, what would be the advantage in speaking it? Other people would hear it. And what would be the advantage of other people hearing it? They know the truth. They know the truth. Maybe they're not seeking it. Okay, what, what would be the other benefit or benefits of speaking out God's wisdom? Who else would hear it? You would. You would hear it. There is a power. There is a power in what we declare. What comes out of our mouth is life or death. That's what the scripture says. There is a power in making declarations of God's truth and wisdom. There's a power that, that empowers us. That solidifies our faith. As well as the faith of others. When we speak out the wisdom that God gives us. Which things we also speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom. There's the contrast again. But in those taught by the spirit. Combining spiritual thoughts. With spiritual words. Two ingredients. To bring about the fuller. More full effect of God's wisdom. Thoughts. And words. Together. Combined. Thoughts. 
and words combined. There's a power speaking out God's thoughts. I was preaching at another church several weeks ago. And um, during the ministry time at the end, uh, all I got was the name Danielle. That's all I got. And whenever that happens, I usually ask God's qu- God questions. Well, what about Danielle? Is there any other information you want me to give, give me about her? I got nothing. Just her name. So I spoke it out. I combined a spiritual thought with a spiritual word. Danielle. I said, is there a Danielle here? Nobody raised their hand. I said, does anybody know a Danielle? The pastor raised his hand. And I said, well, that's all I got is her name. And um, I don't know what it is about, but maybe you could grab a person or two and you guys could pray for her. So they did. Four days later, I get a phone call from the pastor. He said, I want to tell you the story of Danielle. Danielle is the daughter of a woman that we support the woman's ministry. She has a ministry in sex trafficking. And Danielle is her daughter, grown daughter. And Danielle has occasionally come to that church, but really is halfway committed and kind of in and out and kind of flimsy about her faith and so forth. He said, Sunday afternoon, I got a phone call from the mother. And the mother reported to me that Danielle was watching you online, live streaming, that Sunday. He said, when you spoke her name, God showed up in her room. God encountered her. He surrounded her. She knew that God knew her. She knew that God loved her. And that God cared about her. And she went to Jesus. A word. Just her name. Now, I was telling that story to my grandson. I, I, get on a, I have a phone call every week with my grandson. Um, and uh, so I was telling him this story. And I said, you know, Johnny, I said, when, when I'm telling you this story, I'm thinking about what happened in the garden after the resurrection. Mary Magdalene is there, and she's, she's already noticed that the tomb is empty and whatever. And there's a man standing there, and she thinks it's the gardener. And he says, look... If you've taken him away and put him someplace, tell me. And Jesus says, Mary. That's all he says. Mary. He just calls her name. And she falls down and she said, Lord. She recognizes him just when he said her name. That's what happened to Danielle. But what happened was combining a spiritual thought a spiritual word that ministered the presence of God to this young lady. Who doesn't get it? The natural man. It says here in the New American Standard Translation, verse 14, but the natural man does not accept the things of God for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. Natural man. I... You know, sometimes that word natural is um, translated unspiritual. Because they think they're, you know, they're contrasting the spiritual with the unspiritual. But the word in the Greek is psukikos. From which we get psychology. And psukikos means soul. But the soulish man does not accept the things of the spirit. Who is the soulish man? The person that's operating out of their own mind their own emotions, and their own will. A person who is trying to live life that way. 
And guess what? They don't get it. They can be completely unspiritual and not, not a believer at all, but it could be. It could be, and Paul actually rebukes them in chapter 3 for being in this situation. They could just be an infant and much immature, and they're living out of their mind, their will, and their emotions. He says that, that, that person doesn't get it. They don't accept the things of the Spirit. He says, because the things of the Spirit are spiritually appraised. Appraised. That's a, that's a great word. Appraised. Appraised means to investigate. To investigate something. They don't get it. And they're not even inclined to investigate it. They don't get it. And it says in verse 15, but he who is spiritual appraises all things. He appraises all things. God's wisdom, the search and the desire for God's wisdom will cause you to investigate all things. Now what does that mean? I'll get to it in a minute. He appraises all things and yet he himself is appraised by no one. What does that mean? He's not appraised. He's not investigated by anybody else. What he's saying is, is that an unspiritual, soulish person is not in the place that he can look at your life and my life when we're following the Spirit and correctly evaluate it. Or correctly, or correctly understand it. Have you ever had a, a friend or even a family member just say to you, as you're following the Lord, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why are you doing that? Why aren't you doing this? I don't get it. Well, the reason they don't get it is because they're not spiritually appraising it. They're not spiritually appraising you. They're looking at your life through their own intellect and they're trying to figure out what you're doing and they don't get it. I remember the phone call that I made to my parents in 1981 to tell them I was leaving dentistry and going to go to seminary and go into the ministry. They cried, not from happiness. <laughs> Literally, they cried on the phone. They didn't get it. Later, they did. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And you've been in that situation. I know you've been in that situation where you've made a decision as far as best as you could on the wisdom of God, you made a decision and other people around you said, that's crazy. I don't get it. Well, this is why. This is why is that those other people, wherever they are in terms of their walk with the Lord or not, walk, or, or not having a walk with the Lord, they're not in a position to evaluate as you walk by the Spirit. And then he quotes Isaiah 40. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him. Now if you read that passage in Isaiah 40. He's talking about God being up there. Kind of like the Job passage. God being a bad dude. Nobody understands what's going on. He says who's known the mind of the Lord. And from that passage you'll say nobody. Nobody knows the mind of the Lord. But then Paul says but. My, my wife says that's the favorite word in the Bible. But. 
It's her favorite word in the Bible. It's but. It's the contrast. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Under the old covenant, nobody. Under the new covenant, for the people who have the spirit, we have the mind of Christ. You have it. You've got it sitting right where you are today. You've got it for every decision that you need to make. You've got the mind of Christ. It's there. It's there. You have it already. You've got it. You've got it. You start out by believing that you've got it. Believe that you have it. Believe that you have that kind of resource within you for life situations. And so it's been my habit more now than ever before is to get up and a lot of time during my devotion time I'll just say, God, what are you thinking about this morning? What are you thinking about? What's on your mind today, Lord? And he'll tell me. I just write it down. I can take you to some of my journal entries. Lord, what are you thinking about? Or, you're in a situation. And you go, Lord, what do you think about that situation? You've got a problem. Lord, what do you think about that problem? You're in a relationship with a person. Lord, what do you think about that person? How am I supposed to see them the way you're thinking about them? Ask him. And he'll tell you. He'll show you. You'll get a word. You'll get an impression. You'll get a scripture verse. You'll get an analogy. You'll get, you'll get something. Why? Because God's prepared that for those who love him. He's prepared it for you. He's prepared it for me. It's all there. Ask God what he's thinking about. He'll give you the wisdom. He will. Sometimes it won't be in the timing that you and I like. But he'll give it. He'll give it. Sometimes he'll give it after you make the wrong decision. And you look back and go, oh. I see that you were trying to show me something. You're trying to give me that wisdom and I just didn't see it. Or sometimes I saw it. I just didn't want to follow it. I wanted to do it my way. Ouch. Ouch. But he loves us. He loves us. And he's a giver. He's freely given us so much. And a huge part of that is his wisdom. Let's pray. Oh Lord, what can we say? <laughs> what can we say, Lord, that, that you would, because of sending your Son, give us so much? So Lord, we just make an appeal to you again today that we might step into the fullness of your wisdom. I pray that, Lord, for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I, I pray that in any decision, in any any place where they have a question and in relationships, Lord, that you now would show them what you think about that. What you think about that. Come, Holy God.
Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you that we have this spirit. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you. I've got one other word, and it's for, uh, it's for everybody. I don't have any specific words today, but this is a word for everybody. And it, again, it's one of those things that's been kind of sitting on me uh, for quite a while, and I just felt like the Lord said, everywhere you go, talk about it. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer to the Hebrews recognizes that these Jewish believers... And Jesus have been through a rough time. And he gets to part of, of what he's writing. And he said, look, I know that you've been ridiculed for your faith. He said, I know that some of you have even had your property taken away. And that some of you have even been thrown into jail. He said, I realize that. Okay. Realizing that, he goes on and he says, but. There's that word again. But. You have need of endurance. And he go." Paul, what? What? You just said all of the stuff that we're suffering. He says, but you have a need of endurance. For once that you have done the will of God, you will receive the reward. That's a word to you and me. We have a need of endurance today. Okay, jump over to chapter 12. After the chapter 11 of the great cloud of witnesses of the faithful people all through chapter 11. Chapter 12 says, okay, with all this great cloud of witnesses watching what's going on, he says, run the, run the race with endurance. With endurance. Okay? Shedding off the sin and everything that entangles you. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising his shame and sat down at the right hand of God. How did Jesus endure the cross? For the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus looked past the hard, hard, hard thing that he was going through. He looked past that to the other side. And he knew that there was joy there. He knew there was joy on the other side. And I don't know what you're going through right now. But there's joy on the other side. There's joy on the basis of the word of God. There's joy on the other side of your situation. There is. There's joy on the other side of whatever's going on with my, wife, my, my wife's health right now. There's joy on the other side. And I've got to keep looking. I've got to walk through it. Yes. With endurance. Yes. But how am I going to do that? For the joy set before me. The joy that's going to be on the other side. And that joy might be in heaven. It might be way, way down there. Or it might be a fantastic te testimony of a miraculous healing that takes place in our life. I don't know. But there's joy on the other side. And there's joy on the other side of your problem and your situation and your life. So run the race with endurance. Run it with endurance. Amen. I want to invite us to pray for one moment before we go to the table. Um, 
how many of you listen to John talk about uh, spiritual wisdom and you want to walk in greater spiritual wisdom? I, I would, I would, and so I, what I want us to do for a moment is, um, you know, I've always prayed that God would, one of the things he would do in this church is he would make us spirit people, make us people who are led by the spirit, who are rooted in his word, but people who are led by his spirit. And Toby, uh, I have to make fun of him for a second, highlight, highlight something. He, a few weeks ago, he, they were going on a trip to Puerto Rico. It's Puerto Rico's right. And, um, and like in the middle of the night, he felt like God, he, God spoke to him and then gave him a dream. He felt like God was like, I don't, you're, you're not supposed to go on this trip. And so the next day they didn't go on the trip. And if, if I, if I had that word, if Andrea, Andrea would be like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, God told me to go. <laughs> No, I'm I'm joking. We we've had those moments, and uh, but but what I was what I was thinking about was told a story about a friend who was just so perplexed by that decision that it made them curious about how God works. And when you one of the things I've realized is when we've lived life, seeing God do miracles, living counter like living in a spiritual way and not a natural way, it makes people like curious. And I just want to invite you to to embrace um, what it means to be a spirit-led person. And at, oftentimes, because Jesus, you know, says that he only did the will of his Father, he was led by the Spirit. Oftentimes, that meant Jesus was rejected by everybody. Oftentimes, it meant everybody wanted to hear him. But it, it he followed the path that God had for him. Um, he is God, but. He also followed the path that his father had for him. And so I, I want us to pray for a moment that God would um, enable us to live more by his spirit. And so this is for everyone. Um, we could just Let's just open our hands like we're receiving a gift. Let's close our eyes and just say, Holy Spirit, just, if you can just pray this, you don't have to pray it out loud, but just... Holy Spirit, help me to be led by you. Help us to be led by you. I pray that you would give us a grace to be led by you, to be willing not to be normal, not to be always like everyone else, but to live with your wisdom. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would give a greater gift of following your Spirit, a greater gift of listening to you, being willing to follow you no matter the cost, I pray that you would do that today and that you would help us to live by spiritual wisdom. We won't argue with this with our logic, but we would see this is right in the scripture. Help us to live by your spiritual wisdom. Help us to ask you the questions. I pray there would be an impartation of grace this morning. Amen. Um, really quick, I just have a specific word. Don't want to embarrass you. Hayden, great job this morning, by the way. But let me, let me say something I thought when I was sitting there the Lord highlighted you to me. Um, I felt like, um, and I get to hear a little bit of your story, so I'm just a brief bit, but um, I felt like the Lord, the word journey came over my mind when I thought of you. And there probably have been a series of events that have, you know, 
um, propelled you in a different, you know, forward. But I just feel like God's God is taking you on a journey, and I sense that like He's the one that's wooing your heart in a journey. And um, sometimes, like I've gone through personal seasons of wrestling and personal seasons of God expanding um, my heart, my mind about what He's doing, and it it has created stress and fear for me. Um, but then as as I as I kept pressing in, as I kept going, I realized that he was the one that was wooing me. And, and so I just feel like he's the one that's wooing you on a journey. And, and that's okay. Don't be afraid. He's with you. He's always been with you. And so um, let's just go ahead and grab the elements. What? Okay, yeah. Sorry. Um, Paige, uh, I just feel like uh, I met her right before service. I saw her on Zoom last week, and I was like, oh, she's new. I need to know her. And then she came and introduced herself. So I was like, ah, oh, you beat me, you know. Um, but I was sitting there praying, and um, the Lord just highlighted me to you, you to me earlier. And I just uh, felt him smile over you. Um, and then I, you told us a second ago, so this is not a word of knowledge, that she's a server. Um, and so as I was praying for her, I saw you kind of standing in the corner and you were writing in your notepad um, just an order. And the Lord says, that's her order. And he said, be specific. Yeah. <laughs> he said, if you don't want cheese, write it down. Right? And then he said, um, do not be anxious or worried about anything. But in everything, this is the Amplified, every circumstance and situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus is yours. Yeah, come, come, come up here. You're good. John, whenever you were preaching, um, God, I kept. Um, he brought to mind the uh, the, I guess the story of Lazarus. You know, um, Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick. Right, but he waited until it was too late, and everyone was like, "Jesus, come on, let's go, let's go! You, you have the power to heal him." And he he decided to wait until he was dead. Not to say that this is, this is what's happening, but what I'm saying is, um, oftentimes uh, the timing—that's what I was hearing. That's the timing. And one thing he was saying to me was, um, his timing may seem like it's too late. Like, God, where are you? Why, why aren't you doing it now? You should have done it two years ago when I first prayed. And he said, he knows all things. He's omniscient, right? He knows the beginning, the end, everything. He knows the moment that your wife got sick. He knows the moment that she will get healed. And... I feel like he was saying to me, the timing is now. 
no more waiting. So if you're up for it, if you want to come up, then it's time it's time for the to receive. It's time to receive the healing. And if I could pray, if, I, if you don't mind me putting my hand on you, I know you don't know me, but this is I felt very. He was like, "Do it." I'm like, oh, "Okay." Uh, so, Lord Jesus, we just come before you. You say we're two or more are gathered in your name, that you are there. And what's your last name? Okay. And, Lord God, we just petition. We petition you in the name of Jesus. We just speak healing over Suzanne. Your healing. I just feel, I feel your anointing, Lord. I speak against any demonic stronghold that's preventing, that's been over this situation. And we just bind it in the name of Jesus. And we command it to get off, to go into the abyss of space. And we just ask, Lord, that your, your power, you said in Proverbs 35, that every word of God proves true. And that's for you. That's for you, John. It's something that you can depend on. You said, by your wounds, we were healed. You said that your, the healing that you not only provided your, our salvation on the cross, but you provided for our healing as well. And all we have to do is apply it. So we apply that healing, God, to the situation, to, to uh, Suzanne. And we just believe that Jesus, that you're saying, like Lazarus, where we thought it was too late. But you wanted to show off. You wanted to show off your, your power and that you were bigger than any situation we will ever face. You said um, you can have what you say. You said there's life and death and the power of our tongue, right? Just like you, God, you speak something and it happens. You said when we speak something, it happens. And so, Lord, we speak healing. We speak life. We speak resurrection into her body. And anything that's in her that's not supposed to be in her, we just command it to leave now in the name of Jesus. And we command your anointing, your presence, go to wherever she is. And this crippling thing that's been on her, for it to leave. And we believe now, God, we, we just join together in agreement that it's going to change. Well, there you go. Um, man, Lord, we thank you for this time. Um, before I move on, does anybody else have something they want to share? This may be unusual to some of you, but if you, if you read Scripture the way that Paul talks about gathering, it's, it's, it's supposed to be normal that somebody, that different people have song, different people have thought, different people have word. And so... Um, we make space for that, um, and sometimes it's a little, it's it's different. It's it's makes some people uncomfortable, and messy, but that's just the way that we believe that God works in the in the community. Like, like I'm I'm the pastor here, but I don't have like all the words there are to say about God. <laughs> and so, thank you for taking the taking the risk and jumping up. I we just really we encourage that, and then we also encourage 
the feedback and follow-up to connect with each other to figure out like one of the things that John is so good at is, is he might share a word and be like you know what I need to you know like I, I've seen I've seen like words land and don't words don't land and we as a community are committed to just working that out and working through the mess of what it means to be open for the spirit moving so that may make us uncomfortable at times but it's a good thing some some uncomforts are a good thing um, so let's go come to the table and grab the elements and we will come back and receive. <laughs>